Trinity. As a matter of fact, you, you don't have the word Trinity in the Bible, but you have Trinity in the dictionary of men. And I define Trinity according to the dictionary of men. is man's definition of the understanding of how God of heaven has revealed himself with man over a period of time. So man understood and found out the way that God began to reveal himself. A man found out that from the biblical revelation of God, and I have to explain that whatever that I will be answering is always based on the scriptures, the word of God. So we will always give our answer based on the word of God. So from the study of the Bible, of how God had revealed himself, over the history of man, starting from Adam until now, man came up with that word, Trinity. If you go to a dictionary, for example, and then and ask something like Merriam-Webster Dictionary, it will tell you that, you know, the origin of that word, for example, yeah, the biblically, Trinity is the way that God of heaven chose to reveal himself in three different forms, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And if you look at the Bible, you see that Bible has three segments. The first segment is the Old Testament, which is the revelation of God, the Father. You look at the Gospels, which is the revelation of God, the Son. And you look at the Acts of the Apostles to the end, and that is the revelation of God, the Spirit. So you have Trinity is the one embodiment of God, according to biblical revelation, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Either working jointly as one Godhead, the Bible calls them one Godhead, either working jointly as one Godhead, or working separately, individually, as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. When we go to heaven, for example, in 1 John chapter 5, if we go to 1 John chapter 5, let me read 1 John chapter 5, verse 7 and verse 8. So if we go to 1 John chapter 5, verse 7 and verse 8, it says, verse 7 says, For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three agree in one. So in heaven, the Bible says there, you have the three that are there, they are there with the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So Trinity is the direct divine manifestation of the three persons of the Godhead in the nature of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, sharing one attribute, all divine, the three all divine. So that is what Trinity is from the revelation of the Bible. It is not the human idea, but they studied it and found out that over the period of time, there are three persons 
in that one garden. In Genesis, he said, Let us. In Genesis chapter 1, he says, And God said, uh, Let us make man in our image. You understand it? Right. Good. I hope that I hope that keys somebody in into it. You understand? Trinity is the three persons of the Godhead in man. Okay. What is the holy of holies? That takes us back. It takes us back to the tabernacle. It takes us back to the tabernacle of Moses. Because that is where that it began. When God asked the Israelites, asked Moses and the Israelites to make him a tabernacle, he created a place for himself. So in the tabernacle, there were three divisions. In the tabernacle, you had the outer court. The outer court is a place where you have the brazen lava. The brazen lava is the place where the Levites do the sacrifices. We have the brazen altar. First of all, you have what is called the lava. So when you come into the outer court, you have the lava. The lava is a place where the priests will first of all wash their feet. The Levites will wash their feet. The next week, you have the brazen altar. So when you have the brazen altar, is where they do all the sacrifices before they take the blood and enter into the holy place. In the holy place, they have the table of the, the table of the showbread. So they have the table of the showbread. And then just after the table of the showbread, then they have before the innermost courts, then you have the altar of incense. Then after the altar of incense, then you now have the innermost courts. And then the, in the innermost court there, uh, and then it's also in the, uh, in the, holy, of the holy place, you also have the candlestick. So you have the brazen altar, then outer court, then you have the table of showbread, then you also have, these are symbolic representations, and then you also have the candlestick right in the holy place, then you have the altar of incense, then after that you have the holy of holies, wherein you have the ark of the covenant, and then on the top of the ark of the covenant you have the cherubim that covers it. That is the place where the Shekinah is, that is the presence of God. That is the dwelling place of God. That is what it was. Like, so in the temple of God, you have the Holy of Holies, and that is where God dwells inside. Now, if you bring it as a type and bring it to our heart, you understand? So we can begin to talk about what those things represent. So if we're going to talk, we can talk about what they represent. But in the temple of God, there are three divisions. I wouldn't want to come and say that he's talking about our spiritual and body. No. So Somebody that gives you that kind of interpretation may not be given the actual interpretation. So the one holy of holies is, is the innermost sanctuary where God dwells. And if we get into the Bible, in Acts of Apostles, in, in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 9, or Hebrews chapter 9, verse 8, then you have that the Bible tells us that the way to the holy of holies has not been revealed. In Hebrews chapter 9, the Bible gives us about what the holy book of holies is. Let me just read it quickly in just what in 30 seconds. Then, Hebrews chapter 9 from verse 1, you will find the, the holy of holies. Look at what you find there and I will explain in 30 seconds. Then, indeed, even the first covenant had of ordinances of divine service and the earthly sanctuary. For a tabernacle was prepared, the first part in which was the lampstand and the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And behind the second veil, the part of the tabernacle which is called the goldiest, goldiest of all, which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid on all sides with gold, in which were the golden pot that had the manna, Aaron's shroud that budded, and the 
tablets of the covenant, and above it we are the cherubim of glory, overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot now speak in detail. So, Holy of Holies in the Old Testament was the mercy seat. It was the dwelling place of God. It was the place where only the high priest would enter into that place. And when priests enter there only once in a year, they thank God for the death of Christ. You know that when Christ died, the, 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 the curtain was broken. You know the implication of the curtain being broken? So with the curtain being broken was this. The, the, every person could see God was no longer hiding before curtain, behind curtain. So God does no longer hide behind curtain so that God can come out and every person could see him. You know in the Jewish order, in the Jewish order it was highly a segregated religion. In fact the women in the Jewish order had more honor than the Gentiles. You know, when you talk about the Solomon's porch, it was where Jesus walked during the Feast of Dedication and he was talking about the Gentiles. But after the court of the Gentiles, you have the court of the women, before you have the court of the priests, before you talk, the court, you talk about having the Holy of Holies. And then the curtain separated them. But when Jesus Christ died, the curtain was torn into two. In other words, that any person that could not see God in the Holy of Holies. In other words, God is no longer locked up behind curtain right now. The Holy of Holies is now in your heart. So God comes in when Christ comes into life and comes into your heart. Hallelujah. So your heart now is the Holy of Holies of God. If you give your heart not to God. Hallelujah. I feel excited. Your heart is the Holy of Holies right now. Because we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. We are the temple of God. And so your heart is the Holy of Holies. We allow Him to come inside here. The candlestick is the Holy Spirit. The show, temple of showbread is the Word of God. I get what I'm talking about. The lava, the altar, the, the brazen serpent is the sacrifice of Christ. You know, you receive the death of Christ. The lava there is the Word of God that washes you. You are washed by the washing of the regeneration, which is the Word of God. And you come into the presence of God. First of all, you wash yourself. You accept the death of Christ. You come inside. You take the word of God, you have the altar of the, you have the candlestick, that is the Holy Spirit, He shines the word of God in your heart, and Christ is coming in your life, you have the altar of Jesus, you take the truth, and this day combined will take you into the fullness of the presence of the, of, of the Lord, and that is the Holy of Holies, which is right inside of your heart. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Amen. That's amazing. That was really good. That was really good. Alright, last, last question, last question. Is drinking alcohol sinful? <laughs> drinking alcohol sinful. Look at this. I have a problem with the word of Jesus. Jesus said something that what enters into a man does not define him. The word comes out of a man. You see? So most of the time we want to interpret it. Let me tell you, you know, I told you about my people. Let me tell you tell the word. Let me tell you more about it. You see, see. Is drinking alcohol sinful? Let me answer it with this this scripture. I'll answer it from Ephesians chapter 8. Ephesians, sorry, Ephesians chapter 5. Look at the advice. And then it says, verse 18. It says, And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. So you could see that the Bible encourages us to abstain from it. If we go to Proverbs, now look at this. What God does not like, don't do it. You see, the best thing to do in life is whatever that God doesn't like, don't do it. If you go to Proverbs chapter 31 and then Proverbs chapter 31 verse, I read Proverbs chapter 31 
verse uh, from verse 34 from verse 4 listen it is not for kings Olemiel, it is not for kings to drink wine and for princes strong drink alcohol is a strong drink alcohol is a strong drink and he says it is not for kings it is not for uh kings to drink wine or for priests to drink strong drink so if god says don't drink strong drink then don't drink it it is important about it now he says lest they drink and forget the law and pervert judgment now look at this look at verse 6 of that place it's very important that people understand this look at what that says give strong drink unto him that is ready to perish and why not to those that be of heavy hearts let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more you see look at again proverbs chapter 20 look at again proverbs chapter 23 proverbs chapter 23 and then verse 20 look at proverbs chapter 23 verse 20 what god tells you not to do don't do it look at what he says remember a strong drink will bring about drunkenness so bible says be not among wine by bars among rioters eaters of flesh verse 21 for the drunkard and the gluten shall come to poverty and drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags so the bible says it now let me read new testament because there are certain things that you should only answer from the bible and the person will judge whether it is right or wrong to do it now look at Proverbs, look at first corinthians chapter 6 and i read from verse first corinthians chapter 6 and then i read from verse 9 now look at what it says see look at what it says it says know you know that you're righteous remember you asked me you said is it right to drink you know strong drink alcohol alcohol is strong drink so know you know that your righteous shall not inherit the kingdom of god be not be deceived neither fornicators nor idolaters nor adulterers nor effeminate the abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now look at verse 11. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord and by the Spirit of our God. In other words, when you become washed, you should not be a drunkard. And you cannot be a drunkard except that you drink strong drink you can never drink soft drink and become a drunkard there is no person if you are drinking soft drink and become a girl you, you just gluttony gluttony i believe is having excess food so what i am asking from the word of god is this if god if the word of god says strong drink is not good so don't drink it and it says here in first corinthians chapter 6 verse 9 to 11 he says that he says no thieves no competitors no drunkards no he says none shall inherit the kingdom of god that's fearful it's fearful so which means a drunkard will not inherit the kingdom of god if we take it down to revelation you see that also he talks about it in the book of revelation you know like that without our thieves without our drunkards so why would i do something that i think it is good for my body and then that may deny me the kingdom of heaven it means that so many things are not what god uttered there are too many professions and food that the devil has uttered and they utter it to destroy lives look at
our strong drinks little. Think about what strong drinks little. There is no person that drinks strong drink. Is that the person is messy on himself, or the person is somewhere along the line who become violent? It leads to a whole lot of things. So there are be reasons that God said don't do it. And first Corinthians chapter six verse nine. There's somebody that it can cost you the kingdom of heaven. And if it can cost you the kingdom of heaven, they don't do it. Don't drink it. And then Ephesians chapter five verse eighteen says, Don't be filled with wine. Where is dissipation? Where it is excess. That's how King James put it. And the word excess there is intoxication. That's what it means. Don't drink something that will intoxicate you. They be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can be filled with the Holy Ghost. And Holy Ghost will make you. When they were filled with the Holy Ghost, Bible said that they were filled with wine. Holy Ghost is the best wine for you to drink. You see, when you drink the Holy Spirit, you don't need it. Do you want to be high? Holy Ghost will make you higher. If you want to get high, Holy Ghost will make you higher. People drink strongly to get high. People drink drugs to get high. But when they God brewed wine in heaven and filled them with wine, they say that these guys were filled with new wine. In those days, new wine were a very strong drink. I said they were filled with new wine. They say that we have been filled with the Holy Ghost. They were behaving like people that were filled with them. So drink that one that we brew from heaven. That is what you need. You need the strongest Holy Ghost in your life. You receive Jesus and receive the Holy Ghost in your life. There is nothing you cannot do. The boldness that will come upon you will be beyond measure. It will be beyond measure. You need the Holy Ghost. You don't need strong drink. You need the Holy Ghost. That is what I will advise you. You don't need strong drink in your life. You need the Holy Apart from finding it detrimental to your health, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a biologist. But I know that it's detrimental to your health. I know of a young man that died at the age of 35. He died at the age of 35. It's more than 20 years ago, more than 20 years, more than, in fact, more than 30 years ago that he died, you know? What I remember was this, this guy very good, he used to, he's an artisan, he does a good lot of work. But every time he is drinking and then he is smoking. Every time he drinking and he is smoking. And then the thing cut short his life. Just a little sickness died and he was off. There are so many people like that. Alcohol, strong drink. We have experienced it in ministry. People like that. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a medical scientist. But we experience that it can destroy. They say that it can destroy your immune system. I don't know whether it's true. But there is the excess of it can destroy your immune system. And then I keep on destroying things excess of it. I think so. And then little sickness with all those things and somebody is just up there and person dies. You know, but that is for the medical science. But the Bible says here, don't drink that that intoxicates you. Don't drink a wine wherein there is excess. They be filled with the Holy Spirit. All you need to say, Holy Spirit, come into my life. The Holy Ghost cannot come except Jesus has come into your life. When Jesus comes to your life, those things will disappear. All those things will disappear. The interest will go. All those interests to drink the alcohol will disappear. If you get filled with the Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost is the answer. Get filled with the Holy Ghost. That's why the Bible says there, the only thing that will deliver you from strong drink is the Holy Ghost. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18. It says, be filled with the Holy Ghost. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be filled with the wine wherein there is excellence. It's not a matter of going to church. It's not a matter of religion. No, be filled with the Holy Spirit. How do I receive the Holy Spirit? You know, the last postcard that we did, Jesus was praying. Jesus prayed and prayed open. And Bible says in the book, 
book of Luke chapter 11 verse 13. He says that which of you bring him from that verse? They say that the Father will give Holy Ghost to anyone that asks of him. Ask the Lord right now to give you the Holy Spirit. He will give you the Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit will take away the wine from you, take away the drug from you, take away alcohol from you. You will not like the test again in your life in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. The Bible discourages you from doing it. So don't do it because the Bible discourages you from doing it. And then Bible says that if you are a drunkard, you will not enter the kingdom of God. So I wouldn't want to do anything that will make me not to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus said, if you are right, I will cause you to go to hell. Remove it. The Bible says, Jesus said that if your right foot will cause you to cut it off, your right hand cut it off. So if alcohol will make you not to enter the kingdom of heaven, why don't you stab yourself of that alcohol right now? And then I drink only the Holy Spirit. And then I make heaven and live eternity with God than to enjoy all the pleasures of sin right now, enjoy the pleasures of humanism, enjoy the pleasures of your life, and then you miss out of eternal life. Eternal life is the greatest thing that you can have. Don't trade your eternal life for ephemeral something. Don't trade your eternal life for temporary something. Don't follow the world, the multitude of sin. Listen to the word of God. Listen to the word of God. The word of God discourages from taking strong drink. Don't do it. It doesn't matter what people say. Don't do it. Do not do it. Do not do it. Drink the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18. The Holy Spirit will enable you. God does not condemn you. That the Holy Spirit will enable you. You understand the weaknesses. You understand it. The way you believe in Jesus and you say, Lord, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I'll be my Lord and personal Savior. I say, grant me your Holy Spirit. Most, some of us here, we drank, we drank alcohol. But he took that from us. He took it from us. So you understand? That's not what made us righteous. It's not because we stopped drinking alcohol. No. What made us righteous is because we believe Jesus and trusted Jesus to deliver us from all those things. We have the right, we have the capacity. The Holy Spirit will not allow you to do that that is not right in the sight of God. Trust the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. That's what Jesus said. Holy Ghost is the answer. It's not a matter of going to church. That's why Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, where I read, he said, do not be filled with wine wherein there is dissipation. Dissipation is excess, and excess is all about intoxication. Do not drink the wine that will intoxicate your life. They'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. So what you need is a substitute. I give you the Holy Spirit. So receive the Holy Spirit in your life, and then you will never desire it again. Bible says that be filled with the Holy Spirit, and then you will not desire the you know the you know the the, the fruit of the flesh. You know that's what the Bible says in Romans chapter eight. Hallelujah. Amen. So I believe I pray for you. If that is your problem, I pray for you. I will pray for you and believe God for you. The Lord Jesus Christ will deliver you and the Holy Spirit will enable you. You will not love it again. You will enable you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It will help you. But there is no condemnation to you. Don't condemn your life. Do not condemn your life. Don't condemn your life. You trust the Lord and ask the Lord for your, for your help. He will surely help you. He will surely help you to come out of it. Strong drink is not good for you. Alcohol that I know is strong drink, and Bible condemns it. Bible says, "Don't do it." He said that only do that perish. It's only fools that 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 gives in you know, alcohol that drinks. That's what the Bible calls it in Proverbs. You are not a fool. You are a child of God. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, and then you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. 
That's what Bible says. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. The flesh wants us to do it. But we are filled with the Holy Spirit. You will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. You only live by the Spirit. He is the one that will enable us. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God bless you. Yes. Amen. Amen. I just feel like I just feel I just feel like praying for somebody there. I just feel like praying. Just one second. I pray for any person that is in addiction, alcohol. You know, I love your prayer, Brother Brett. When I finish praying, by the time you write up all this now, I enjoy your prayer. I enjoy your prayers like that. You know, I, I cut up the last prayer we prayed and putting it in a, you know, YouTube. We are putting it in YouTube. You know, that kind of thing is a powerful prayer. The prayer you prayed for Africa, pray for Ukraine, pray for this. I love your prayer. It's so rich, it's so powerful. So I pray right now, then, Brother Brett will also tie up as the Holy Spirit listen and pray. So I pray for anyone there in alcoholism or drug addiction. You don't know how to come up, but just say, Lord Jesus, come into my life and take over my life. I don't like it. They just come into my life and take over my life. Give me the Holy Spirit to live. Help me, Lord. I receive the Holy Spirit. And I yield myself to you, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ. You believe it. The Lord will take over from here. He will forgive you and he will take over from here. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Feelings go away. With experiences last forever. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to follow Apostle James everywhere podcasts are available. Send us your questions to the KC Podcast at completechristian.org. And we'll be happy to get with the Lord for the answers next week on Ask James. The answer you've been looking for.